Welcome to Authentic Conversations with Ryan James Miller. Join Ryan as he speaks with top business leaders and influencers and hear how they've mastered the art of authenticity to achieve all that they dreamed of. As you hear from these leaders, seek not only to be inspired by their authenticity, but to strive for and master your own. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Authentic Conversations. All right, so this episode's a pretty special one. Um, this episode features uh, John Reed. He's the CEO and co-founder of Boss Cat Kitchen and Libations uh, in uh, Newport, uh, also in Houston, as well as in Orange, California. Just phenomenal food, unbelievable uh, cocktails, particularly whiskey drinks is what they're known for. Actually, they're known for just being a badass restaurant, but they make phenomenal whiskey drinks and have a ridiculous selection of whiskey on the wall. Uh, John's story particularly caught my attention as he was standing up to defend his employees in the midst of the pandemic and uh, protecting their financial well-being and just their overall well-being. And uh, I followed him, reached out to him on Instagram. We finally connected and he agreed to an interview. So we decided to take the cameras down. We sat on location at Boscat in Irvine or in Orange. Uh, and I had a conversation with John and it was just unbelievable to hear what a great leader he is, but more importantly, what a great man and human being he is. And you're going to hear some of those stories today. Uh, we don't have a full length video for this week's episode. So if you want to see some of the video that we caught there, you go to uh, my YouTube channel. I'll make sure to link that in the show notes and you can see a shortened down version. That's this week's vlog is my conversation conversation with John. But other than that, Phenomenal episode. Shout out to John ahead of time before we're going to get into the conversation because it was just fantastic. So with that, I hope you enjoy this episode of Authentic Conversations. But dude, when you, when your Instagram story went viral, so I've been following you for a while, obviously just because of, you know, the restaurant and Chris's drink making and everything. Like the first time I had a Kentucky Orange Blossom, I was like sold. Um, And old fashioned. When I saw that post go viral for you, you're just gonna have to take this at face value and, and you'll get to know me later and no, I'm not an asshole, but um, you just kind of, you could come across like, you're just like this hard dude, right? You just don't take anybody's shit. And there was such a tenderness to the way that you shared what you did. Like you really cared about your people and now you're gonna get, <laughs> I can tell you're getting emotional, you're gonna get me one. But like, that was crazy. You have your own livelihood to take care of, which I'm sure that's there and it's important to you. I know you're getting married soon or it looks like you're getting married soon. That's what you cared about was your people. And you walking that fine line of I'm going to, in a sense, defy the government as respectfully as I can. Such a tough message. Like, so I'm really interested, like just coming out of the gate and maybe we'll get into backstory later and stuff, but like what prompted that? <laughs> you know, Leslie's been bothering me for years, you know, on social media, and about two years ago, I, I finally did, um, you know, to segue into the, the viral thing. But um, I'm just like you. I was like, listen, you know, I have a big, big personality, but who the who the fuck wants to follow me? Yeah. You know, what's, what what do I have to offer? Um, and I said, you know what, Let, let's do it. And I, I said, let's just be as true to myself as possible, and just be, you know, motivational. Mm-hmm. And I'll probably misspell some things, and I'll say some curse words, and and, and you uh, can today, by the way, and right? you're fine. <laughs> and I and it just uh, it became a fun outlet for me. Honestly, I, I you know, it's not a, I have really high engagement, which is crazy um, on, on some of those things. I think the realness of it, and I look at it, and my girlfriend goes, "I can't believe you don't have more followers." And 
I said, I think that's why I have had so much fun because it's not about the number of followers, it's the engagement I get from it, all the comments. And when the pandemic hit and we, uh, as a company, we said, we need to be ahead of this. We're a, we're a small business and we're self-financed. So- A hundred percent? Yes. Just you too? Yes. Yeah, we've done, we've done all this. Wild. Through our own money. Now it's been hard because every couple of years we're broke. <laughs> we're putting all this money into these restaurants, but we don't have any debt. Wow. And uh, we've been very, very lucky. So when we went into this, we said, okay, we were going into building this thing. And I'm going to myself, well, we're gonna need X amount to build this. And the faucets are all off. This isn't regional. This is nationwide. Yeah. And how are we going to do this? And the first thing I thought of was, what do we do about our employees? Like, let's say nine, we can, we'll survive. We'll go back to the Daily Dose and start a sports bar or, or do whatever. Or I'll just go back to being a manager again. But what are they going to do? And uh, we went into uh, you know this this really visceral feeling of panic. And then you know what? We we don't have a choice. Our back's against the wall. So instead of waiting for someone to bail us out, we're going to fix this ourselves. And we just huddled the group. I, I flew in uh, Ty, who's our COO. Uh, by the way, all these crazy terms, CEO, COO, whatever that means. But, uh, we flew him in and we just huddled around for a week. Out of that meeting, how do we communicate this to, to everybody? And uh, uh, Aaron, who's our marketing girl, goes, just sit down and do a video. And I'm like, that's not formal enough. And so we were sitting downstairs, we were looking at different areas, and I got frustrated. And I go, just leave me alone. Just leave me alone and uh, I'll go upstairs and just do that. And I thought I was conceding. Mm. I want to do it in front of the bee and this big thing. And, and uh, Aaron was just like, just do it. You be, be yourself, man. And uh, I was like, just get out of here. And I was frustrated. And I shut the door to our office upstairs and I just sat down from my desk for about five minutes. And then I just said, fuck it. And I just hit play and that's what you got. And uh, when I got done with it, I sent it to, uh, to, uh, to Aaron and, and she was like, that's it. I'm like, come on. I'm sitting at my desk, there's like a pillar behind me, and I got my hoodie on. And she's like, yeah, but that's you. Like, you're in shorts and a hoodie all the time. Yeah. And uh, next day I woke up and I had like, you know, 500 and some messages, and they were just like, what happened? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I looked at the, our BossCat page, and I was just like, wow. You know, and it just was going up 10,000, 20,000, 40,000, 50,000. And um, I don't know, it just, and then that's when the, mo the, the movement for us kind of, I realized the power of authenticity in that moment. Hmm. It didn't have to be staged downstairs in a suit and tie like a normal CEO. You could just be me talking, yeah. you know, and just putting out an honest message, and it was it resonated really well. You know, when I went to rehab, the lady said, "What do you do for a living?" I own a bar. She's like, "You have to sell it." And I said, "Are you fucking crazy?" She's like, well, "What do you mean?" I'm like, "That's my business." She's like, well, "Then treat it like a business." And my mind was like, mind blown. Because it wasn't. It was just a party place for Leslie and I. Yeah. And she changed my life with that moment. I said, heard, you're right. And never again I looked at it that way. You know, so there's... So, so you, you... Two instances I've heard, I, I don't know you at all. And two instances I've heard where you have like stood in the gap of making a ridiculous impact on people's lives. Why? Uh... You know, I never really believed in myself, you know, and uh, when Leslie and I first met, she had owned a sports bar called the Daily Dose. And was that I was, next, like right yeah, in the same parking lot? It was, it's uh, next to Roos Chris and Starbucks in Mother's Market yeah. off Jamboree. Okay. And we had gone in there and uh, I met her and I just fell in love with her work ethic. We just got to talking and I, I was like, I was, I, I was so intrigued by her courageousness to start a business. And uh, she gave me my first opportunity. 
you know, ultimately I, I bring a lot to the table uh, as a she, but she's the one that gave me that. And she didn't have to do that. She didn't need me. She could have gone on her way and maybe been organized chaos, but, uh, and that resonated with me because no one had really given me the opportunity like that before and had believed in me. And uh, yeah, what was life like to that point? Was your like upbringing was just great family, great family. Because you have a close relationship with your dad now, yeah, right? My dad and I are thick as thieves. He works at our restaurants in Houston. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, he's my, probably my closest friend, honestly. So great, great family. I just straight away, I moved to Hollywood. I got into that lifestyle. Um, I had great groups. So there's there's nothing. There was no there's no external influences that drove me in this crazy path. I just I love to have a good time, and it, I went too far. Um, you know, and then Leslie and I collided, and uh, we, we complemented each other very, very well. We were both, you know, cut from the same cloth. We both loved to work, work hard, loved to party, um, but I was extremely organized, and she was more the face of uh, that, that sports bar, and it made a lot of sense. So when Boss Cat came around, you know, even the name, you know, we were like, what can we do that's authentic and true to who we are, but it's still approachable, she loved craft cocktails. I'm a Coors Light and Jameson guy. How do we meld the two? You know? And we had a defining moment. We walked into a bar in South County, and I ordered Coors Light and Jameson, and she ordered a craft cocktail, and the guy literally said to me, we don't serve that shit. And I'm like, are you serious? And I just put 20 bucks on the bar, and we walked out, and we walked outside. I said, hey, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna start a craft cocktail bar. We're gonna do it with all the pretentiousness set aside, and it's gonna be approachable. And uh, she's like, sure. And that's literally how Boss Cat was born. In our first training, we said, listen, we're gonna have all of this, we're gonna have great cocktails, but we're gonna do it without the, 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 the snobbery the, of all of the craft mixology. That's not a term we use in this house. Yeah. We use crafty. We're not craft mixologists, we don't do that. So if they want a Coors Light, you let them have it. You need to earn their trust. Give them what they want and then sell them something that we want them to try. And that became part of our mantra. And then seven years later, here we are. Dude, that is so good. So where, where does like that leadership come from? Like where, where does that mindset of like, this is how we're gonna do it. Like this is how we're gonna run the business. This is how we're going to sell more liquor. This is how we're gonna get people in the door. Where did you learn that? Uh, my father was a coach, so you know, I, I, I guess, come to find out, I was listening the whole time. <laughs> um, <laughs> he didn't think so. <laughs> he, uh, he instilled a lot of that camaraderie, you know, and um, you know, he's a big teamwork, team, team player kind of guy. So that's where I get a lot of the motivational stuff you've probably seen on my, on my yeah. social media. But uh, as far as the, the concept here, it just made a lot of sense to Leslie and I. We don't want to be sold, we want to buy. Yeah. So how do you do that? Well, you get personal relationship with people. And why we, why we centered all of our concepts around the bar was because bartenders have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with people. When you walk in, I know your cocktail, it's in front of you. And I saw Leslie do that for the first time. Every time I'd walk in, she, she'd have a Coors Light and a shot for me, every time. And by the time I was on the Coors Light, she'd have another one. I didn't even buy it. And half time I was like, I don't want it, I want one. <laughs> but you, you're like, well, I'll take it. Yeah. And that personal relationship was very intimate. And I said, we can build a restaurant like this, right? Where everybody has the same experiences of one-on-one -on -one with a bartender, yeah. right? But first you gotta do is you gotta build a relationship, get them what they want, and then say, hey, I know you like this, but have you ever tried a whiskey sour? Well, ours is called the Boss Cat, right? It's one of our signature cocktails, but I think you're gonna like it, yeah. right? We use a really great bourbon in this. And they tried like, shit, I love that. And you just took them from a $10 drink to a $14 drink, but you didn't sell them, they bought that. They wanted that cocktail. And that became part of our DNA quickly. And so 
you buy that, buy off on that concept, it's yours, you deeply believe in it. Leslie, obviously, you know, very much the same mindset, but how do you begin ingraining that into your people? Because again, I get it, you know, being now in both locations multiple times and like everybody seems to buy into that. So do you just beat them with a stick? Do you just like <laughs> pour Pappy down their throat? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, the first time we did it, we didn't know what we had in front of us. And we realized and we recognized early on that it was we were too much the brand. Leslie and I were too much the brand. We can't grow if we're that way. And we said, how do we do this? And we always have to make the people, which are internal, we call them internal guests, right? Those are our staff. We have to treat them like we would treat anybody that walks off the street to come in and join us. We have to let them be heard, right? And I think the biggest thing is just being transparent with them. We were so honest about our flaws that there was nothing they didn't know about us. And they loved that. And you, people gravitate towards the story, just like you and I. Yeah. So the staff loved it. They loved transparency. They would make a mistake. We would slap them on the butt and say, hey, don't do it again. But we understood. And we got a lot of buy-in from that. And then we gave them a voice. What can we do better? We're constantly criticizing ourselves. And the staff, the culture, every, every fucking manual has that word in there. But no one ever really lives it. Yep. We live it. We talk about it. Right, you need a hug, we'll give you a hug. You need a loan, we'll give you a loan. It wasn't just about you're like an employee. For, so hold on, so like for real, for real, like someone's deeply personally troubled and you'll meet them where they're at yes. and figure out how to help them through that, financially step through that with people. Everything that's an HR violation, we pretty much do. <laughs> right? Half my staff I hug, I'm not even supposed to do that, and I told the staff this several times. If there's ever an opportunity where I can't do that anymore, then I'm the wrong guy to lead this company. Because if I've had a personal relationship with you and I, and, I, and I love you, right, and I'll take care of you, I will give you a hug, right, and I'll give you a high five, I'll lend you money. And it's, it's never really bitten us in the ass. Everyone has been so grateful for that, that they wanted to pay it back, they've thanked us, you know, and again, you walk a fine line, especially in California, but it's so authentic, I think people just, they, they yearn for it especially in this industry. And how do you deal with the times that you do get burned? Because people are gonna hear this, especially yeah. that own businesses, and there are a lot of really good people that run businesses, and they, they, they put themselves out there, they're very transparent, they get screwed later by an employee, or somebody steals from them, so how do you deal with those moments practically? So I'm sitting at Sushi Bar, we had just bought it, this was years ago, and Ty, who's now our COO, he's one of our partners too, um, I had just gotten burned. Um, I had given a kid an opportunity who has an ex, he was an ex-con, and uh, he started out good, and then he burned us, and he ended up suing us. Um, and it was all bullshit. And I'm sitting at sushi bar with my head in, you know, head in my water, just like pissed. And I said, you know what, I'm done. I'm done being nice. And he said, no, no, don't do that. Your generosity was genuine. You genuinely wanted to help that guy, right? He's like, the moment you stop doing that, our culture changes. He goes, I won't, I won't let you do that. Don't do that. He's like, get your head out of your ass. He goes, go back to work. And uh, I literally, it was like, he's right. You know, my intention was right. Yeah. And you can't win them all. I mean, someone's gonna take advantage of you eventually. Yeah. yeah. I think that's good. I mean, I think it's so important when you talk about team. I mean, you've talked so many times about you and Leslie being on the same page and Ty being there with you and now having Chris involved and being with you. I think that like that's something that so many people miss because when we, especially when we are, have a strong personality, we wanna do things our way, we don't want too many people to compete for our attention or our leadership. So right, that, I mean, that's gotta be a really hard thing to balance because it sounds like, I mean, just with the few of you, 
you guys all have to have a pretty strong personality, right? Like it doesn't yeah. always go super easy. No, and you know, honestly, what what I've found as a leader is that we're only as good as the as the team we put in place. Meaning, you can't do multiple restaurants in multiple cities if it's predicated on one person's success, right? If everybody's just following me, will never be a true success. Yeah. You know, you've got to give people ownership into something, especially these days. Ownership changes your life, even a fraction of it, right? You give someone a little bit of ownership on anything, whether it's a task or it's physical ownership in a building, um, they take it, they need it, they want it. And we learned that early on. And we had people around us that had been deathly loyal to what we, what we do. And we said, we need to reward that behavior. And uh, the Chris's of the world, we've made five people partners Whoa. in the last seven years. You know, they are watching the back door as, as tight as I am. Yeah. There's something to be said about that. Yeah. You know, not a lot of people do that. Yeah, that's pretty legit. So it's not just Boss Cat, there's two. Newport is moving to Irvine next year. Yep. Next year, so that's a yep. big undertaking. You have two locations, a Boss Cat and another restaurant. So we have three Boss Cats so far. Uh, we have two here in Orange County, then we have uh, one in Houston. We have a burger concept called BCK, uh, which we just uh, sold off the assets because we're gonna relocate it to Orange County. Can't wait for that. And then we have um, two of our uh, sushi concepts, and we're working on another one right now. And so, 10. Yep. Was that, did you guys own that before Boss no. Cat? No. Um, because they've been, they, they're literally, they share the same wall, yeah. right? So I, if you're from Orange County, yeah. you've, you've partied in that club. Yeah, harder than I want to admit, <laughs> in some really dark corners, so yes. Me too. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, probably bumped into each other. So my best someone. friend, like eight years ago, he's like, hey, I bought 10. I'm like, what does that mean? And I go, you don't even know what the hell you're doing in restaurants. He's like, I know, I want to do the club. I'm like. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah. And I goes, we, bought, we buried a lot of bodies there. <laughs> and he said, well, how about you open a restaurant here? You and Les, because I know you guys are talking about the Irvine Spectrum. And you know, Irvine Spectrum, Irvine Company, or my buddy, let's go over here. So that's how we, Boss Cat went into the old Panini space. And we got going, and he's like, yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it, but whatever, you're my buddy. And 30 days later, we were like a rocket ship. And he's like, well, I don't know what I'm doing in 10. Can you run the restaurant over there too? And I said, well, give me a couple months. And it was like a Friday night and I walked over there and it was complete disarray. And it bothered me because he's a close friend of mine. And I said, you know what? I, I, I start Monday, I got it. And uh, that way he could focus on the club. And I fell in love with that concept too. Different reasons. Boss Cat was conceptually my, our idea. And then we opened other gates. This one, we had to rebuild it because they had gotten a terrible name. Yeah. No one was paying the fish purveyor, so we weren't getting quality products. There was so much debt. Everybody had a bad name from it because I had five owners in five years. And I said, I like this. This is like me, right? This is, a, this is an underdog story. And we just started chipping away at creating some consistency there. And now here we are going into the pandemic. You know, we had increased that business 100% of the revenue versus when I took it over. And now we're talking about building two or three of these. It's crazy, you know, and it's never been busier than it is right now. Never. Really? Never. It's, it's bananas. It's an hour wait four nights a week now. It's crazy. Really? Yeah. And why in a place like, I mean, in South County especially, you know, sushi places are a dime a dozen yep. and everyone's got their spot. And the pretentious people probably won't even come that far north. And yep. that sounds ridiculous. Yep. So why? why? We found our niche over there. You know, we, uh, once we realized that we have a good product, we just need to dust it off a little bit. 
and we need to put some better pieces, you know, uh, puzzle pieces in place. What we realized was is that area of town had nothing. It had nothing they could count on for that, you know, that specialty sushi. Um, that was number one. Number two is because they knew the consistency of the ownership group that had owned the restaurant next door. So they're like, listen, these guys know what they're doing. Let's see if they know what they're doing with sushi, but I know that it's gonna be a good experience. There'll be good customer service, it'll be consistent. So then we started to slowly get people in the door. The pandemic hit and no one's making sushi at home. So all of a sudden our to-go business went through the roof. And we focused in on it. We said, listen, it's not just about the presentation, it's about the quality and how can we do this to-go? And that was the only business of all the businesses that were thriving during, during COVID. So when we reopened our doors, we said, well, it'll decline. People will start going back to Sushi Roku and Nobu and all these other places. And it just didn't. And our prices were way more competitive than our competitors. You got a better offering. We had a better management team. Yeah. And it was all these little factors. And now it's, it's honestly, I, I couldn't have guessed it. That's so crazy. Okay, so this is all of this now. And I know we have to land this plane because you're on a timeline. But you're, you're running in... 75 different directions right now, going across state lines, building a new restaurants, trying to keep the fort, hold the fort down here, you know, it, as you've been established, and you're taking on getting married, yeah. right? Yeah. And when is that happening? Uh, March 19th of next year. Okay. And I'm, I'm, I think I'm the bride. <laughs> <laughs> she, she was having a meeting at our house in Houston and I'm like, you're not asking the right questions. And she's just like, here you go, asshole. <laughs> and, uh, and then I just never relinquished it at that point, you know, <laughs> because, you know, I waited till I was 40 years old to get married. And I married, you know, the perfect match for me. She understands my travel schedule. She's uh, absolutely amazing. She's a huge, huge cheerleader for what we do. And I said, I want to make this special for her. So it has been like another restaurant, right? Yep. Managing it. It's a daily process for me to keep knocking things down off the list. Yeah. So how, how do you turn off? I'm going to come in here. I'm going to kick all living ass in this restaurant. I'm going to crush goals, build culture. And how do you turn all that off and go be a husband at home? Maybe one day a parent, like how, how do you do that? Well, I haven't found a balance with that. Unfortunately, she'll, she'll remind me from time to time, I'm not your employee. <laughs> and uh, you know, don't toss me like that sometimes. So I have to, I have to be mindful uh, uh, of that. But I've also found a partner that understands that being a business owner, small business owner is a 24 hour grind. So she allows me that. And because she allows me that, I'm mindful of it. And I turn it off for certain parts of the day. You know, when I'm back in Houston, you know, we, we work out together and then we go to Memorial Park and we go for a little walk and that's our two hours, like it's non-negotiable. Yeah. And as I'm getting a little bit older and we're doing this now, I'm starting to realize that me time with her is non-negotiable. Everything else can wait. And she's been very receptive to that and very grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I went through a horrific season of life in marriage and I think that that was one of the biggest things that I learned, you know, was, I have to go hard and I have to push really hard, but if my wife does not believe that she is first, then she's never gonna give me that room. And at the same time, when I hear her all the time, if I'm not listening to her, then she's just gonna walk off in a completely different direction. So it's just, it, but it's really hard to balance. It really, really is. Very, you know, I think the biggest thing is every year we've been building a restaurant, so she's like, so where do I fit into this? And at first I said, I don't know if I have the bandwidth, but then I realized that anything of a priority you make time for. And there's, I'm not doing this 24 hours a day. 
So I just need to be more, more mindful of my time, which again is another reason we brought in you know, other partners. Yeah. This is your job. You got ownership, right? Yeah. So take it and run with it. And I'm gonna go do this over here. And uh, we, have a, we have a good balance now. Coming out of a global pandemic, running a bunch of restaurants, getting started on a couple of new ones, getting married, now what? Uh, you know, Leslie and I had a goal, and the goal was 10 restaurants, and then we would reassess, you know, the time commitment, et cetera. And now it's not about the restaurants anymore. It's about affecting people's lives. You know, we, we've changed five people's lives. Um, they're gonna be owners, they're gonna have financial freedom uh, beyond their means uh, sooner than later. And uh, we get to take a, a, an industry, which is a transient in industry, you know, where people, you start here to go to a big girl, big boy job, and we've made this careers for people. And that has transcended anything that we do in the restaurant business. So now, growing the restaurants is about establishing a legacy so we can continue to do that. Oh. Dude, like, now going back to reaching out to you when I did and watching that, like even just 45 minutes of talking to you, it makes so much sense. And for every, I'm just gonna say it from this perspective, for every man, that, that's where I spend the majority of my time is coaching men, a lot of times successful men, invested into relationships, married kids. I wish more people would have that perspective on things because it is just so easy to lose our way. So. I can't tell you the amount of respect that I have for you. And again, you're like, yeah, whatever. But like, I really, really do. I mean, like you just walk the talk. And when you talk about impacting lives, whether it's an employee or a patron sitting down in the restaurant, there's no way that somebody doesn't come here and leave not feeling something about being here, right? Like it's just, it's so amazing. We take that personal, you know, every Yelp review, we respond, you know, and I respond to 90% of them over all the restaurants, but um, that is a microcosm, that bothers me. You know, for every thousand people that come in here and love it, that one person that doesn't, that, I can't sleep at night thinking about that, what we could have done better. Because you get anywhere to, you choose anywhere to spend your money and have that experience. And for us to let our foot off the gas, for me, is unacceptable. Because I, I'm a consumer too, yep. you know, and it matters. And, uh, you know, that, that that's, we talk about it a lot. Yeah, that's good. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you I mean, very this much. has been fantastic. I hope this isn't the end of you and I being connected and having conversation. I really, really mean that. You know, I, I will continue to invest my money personally <laughs> into the restaurant and bring other people here. But you know, anything that I can ever do to support or encourage, um, Leslie mentioned LinkedIn. Yo, I think that you you do need to spend a lot more time creating content Jeez, for yourself. The two of you, I gotta get on that. I gotta get more consistent yeah. with it. Well, maybe like the next time you're in town or something, sit down, have lunch or something like that. Um, I, I would be happy to, to share some thought. Like that, I, that's the space I work in a lot and I'd be happy just to share some love thoughts it. around what it. to do because I think that if you, you're already doing it. So you don't have to do anything different other than just making sure that either you or somebody else is documenting what you're doing. And so whether that's somebody following you around, taking notes, taking pictures, taking video, it, it wouldn't be that much to invest. And for somebody to see your story and whether they're personally being impacted or just being like, he's a great dude, I gotta go eat at his restaurant. Like, I, I think that it would be unbelievable to see the response you could get from doing that. Yeah.
Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I really, really do. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for listening to Authentic Conversations with Ryan James Miller. If you found value in today's episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform and share it with others. To connect with Ryan and learn more, visit ryanjamesmiller.com.